Okay, just a couple of things here for you to note. Um, we did change the schedule. Uh, I've already heard from one of you. You planned your life around that schedule that we had, but it, I had to change it a little bit. Um, so you should have, if you didn't pick up this sheet tonight, uh, you should uh, go ahead and do that. What we did was on the original schedule, we had us not meeting on September 30th, but we were able to uh, to rearrange our schedule. We did that. It was uh, kind of we had that set up that way because uh, we were going to be out of town that night, but we are back in town, so we'll go six weeks straight. And it really works out a lot better, actually, uh, overall, because if you're looking at your schedule there on October 21st, it were, were, the old schedule was going to be the 28th of October. But anybody know what's happening on the 27th of October? We have a dinner here with Retha McPherson from South Africa. And that's on that's on Monday night. How many of you got tickets and got a table or whatever for that? Raise your hand. Oh, wow. A lot of you need to, to sign up and get that going. But that morning, uh, she's going to be doing a spirit school. So if you want to be a part of that, that's from 9 to noon on Monday. Then the dinner is that night at 6.30. So it's a whole day kind of experience. And we're really blessed to have her here. She's... Uh, the author of the book, and her son is the, the story behind the book um, that we really encourage you to read. It's available in our in our bookstore. So you'll hear more about that, but really get signed up. We've got about, what, about a month now, I suppose, before that comes, five weeks, something like that. Be a great time. Great time of fellowship as well. We'll have music, have that. And it's our official launch night for our School of Ministry. So let me tell you what's going on here. Kind of excited. We are videotaping. Uh, this as well as audio taping. So we're taking some first steps where we hope to have, uh, if not sooner, we want we hope to have our online school uh, with video and audio uh, ready and rolling by January. So that's, uh, it may come sooner, but I, I like to kind of plan it that way. That way, if, if we get sooner, see, yeah, we worked ahead, we got fast. But we want to, we really want to launch a worldwide um, school of ministry we we've uh, been blessed on our facebook page with uh, we have about 32,000 facebook fans or likes on our page and about a third of those are international and we're gaining at about 200 new likes a day on facebook so what that means is by the end of the year we'll have about 50,000 people there and that means by the end of next year we'll have probably 100,000 Facebook likes. So we've got some platforms to launch an international school of ministry pretty easily. We believe it's just part of, you know, kind of from a kingdom perspective, what God has given us opportunity to do. So we're excited about that. Uh, we also want to let you know that uh, we will, for those of you who will miss a class, I know that you, you get two cuts and you want to take them because you paid for them, right? It's like college. How many cuts do I get? That was my first question when I got to college. How many cuts do you get in this class, Professor? You get two good. I'm taking them. I'm going to take them the first two weeks. Um, but anyway, uh, so you get some cuts. We know that. And makeup uh, for those um, we've done with, uh, with a CD. And we want to let you know that we're going to continue to do CDs. For those of you who like that, we'll, have, we'll provide about six of those. Uh, so next week, for the people who weren't here tonight, we know we had some people who couldn't be here, they'll be able to grab a CD, listen to it. But we're also going to create an online presence on SoundCloud. We will email you that. You'll be able to re-listen to this uh, class if you want to. So everybody will have access to that. 
for those of you who are not real, uh, you know, tech savvy and like the old school, just put the, you know, put the CD in the computer uh, or in your car. We'll have those for you as well. Okay, and with with this class, if you do the SoundCloud, you want to make your own CD. Uh, the copyright means you have the right to copy it. Okay, that makes sense. So in other words, we want we want to we want you to use it as a tool. We don't want to try to profit from it. We don't want to try to to hold it up and uh, and not let God use it in somebody's life. So you can feel free to copy it, give it to somebody if it blesses them. Then so be it. Good enough. Okay. All right. Let's jump into. We're going to uh, put the release of the Spirit off, uh, and we're going to. That is the book. We're going to continue to release the Spirit, but we're going to go ahead and look at Bill Johnson's book. And I want to say a couple of things uh, about what we're what's happening here. Um, in terms of our, our ministry and what where we see it going. Uh, we do have a, a conversation with a friend of ours uh, at Bethel School of Ministry. She directs the whole Skype program there, and we're going to have a conversation. We're, gonna, we're shaping some things um, in terms of just structural uh, from whatever source we can find. One of the things that Bethel does, and I really, really uh, have grown to appreciate it, is their prayer ministry is structured, number one, with um, an application. So, for example, if, if you're going to, to pray for someone, you're going to be under the covering of this, you're going to be part of our prayer ministry, we're going we're gonna to implement a prayer, we're going to implement an application process and an interview so that we want to know that, for example, let's just say John here is going to go pray for somebody. He's got, the, he's got his, prayer, you know, his prayer badge on and everything else. We want to know that John's uh, on the up and up. We want to know that John's walking with God and, and uh, not going to tell him something goofy. Okay, just good, good practice. Then the other thing they do, which I really love, is they have implemented a, a three-dot process. And there's a red, a yellow, and a green dot. So a red dot means, well, let me start with green. It's a little easier. Green means that you have, you know, we've kind of, you've proven yourself. You've been faithful. You know, you're, you're part of this fellowship. And uh, we're, we're going to release you to go pray with people. Then working alongside of you, we hope you'll have someone with a yellow dot, which means they're let's say in they're kind of interning they're kind of in practice they pray for someone when the green light lets them pray for them okay so let's say john's you know got a new christian over here and says hey i want you just to kind of listen and and learn and see because he'd start out with a red dot all you do is listen okay yellow dot says okay hey i want you to pray for this person because what we want to do is we want to implement discipleship we want to we want to raise up people uh through this process so that we've got something. And Bethel said we had to do it because it just, you know, we put a street light out front and the street light sheds light on something and it attracts bugs. Right? So what we want to do is as we start to see God move, I don't know if you really kind of comprehend this, but when you get 90 people that show up, 85 people that show up for a school of ministry like that, that's pretty, that's pretty significant for a church a couple of years old. Right. I want to commend all of you for being here. Thank you. I mean, this is this is awesome. And we just expect that it's going to grow and continue to build as, as time goes on. So we want to we want to put the right kind of pieces in place to ensure that we grow healthy in a healthy manner and that uh, everybody kind of knows what everybody's doing and we operate, you know, under kingdom standards. So so just know that that's part of what we're going to do. Some of you probably sometime along this will say, hey, I hear you have a prayer meeting on Sunday morning. Can I come to that? Absolutely, you can come to that. And we're going to start having two of them, Brian, Christy, right? Just going to do one? Just, okay. And at what time will that be at? 
8 o'clock. Okay, that just killed half of them. Um, they go, yeah, I can pray better at 10. But um, but anyway, uh, if you want to be a part of that and, and be a part of that, and then out of that comes our prayer team. Uh, our prayer wall has had some pretty amazing things happen uh, lately. And I'm just going to have, uh, I'm going to have Rosio. Rosio, where are you at? Would you come up here? You have to come up here to do it because we need it to capture it in the microphone. But uh, Rosio is uh, a part of our fellowship here, and she volunteers uh, up at our reception desk. And I wanted to tell you something of what's been happening uh, recently with people coming in and also just opportunities with the prayer wall and Facebook, okay? Well, um, I do volunteer here at the, uh, in the reception area. So every time I check in, I always say that I'm here, right? I check in, I say, hey, I'll be here for the next five hours. All prayers um, are welcome. And within a matter of seven minutes, 15 minutes, I had 17 people. And it's amazing because I've been able to touch a lot of people that I don't know. They are in real estate and uh, because that's my, my page is real estate. And I got people with cancer, people going through a lot of difficulties, divorce, and everything else. And today I did the same thing, and it, it continues to come and come and come. New people and also answers. So I think, like, the word is out there. There's a lot of vibe. There's people that are going through cancer right now, and there's something that I learned from Pastor uh, Phil. They said there's he, uh, he said a Sunday in a service, there's no aggressive cancer without aggressive faith. And when I said that, they said it's very powerful. It's like Influence Church is powerful. So, you know, I mean, there's been a lot of things that people come in, and they don't know about the little signs. Like, I see that yellow thing. What's a yellow thing? And they're Christians, and they don't even know about it. And that's, you know, I feel like really, really blessed. And I'm very, very grateful that God brought me here. I thought before by mistake, but I was here by the Holy Spirit. I came here with a purpose. And I'm, that's what I do. I just keep coming. Oh, yeah, yeah, the picture. So every time they come and they say, they ask me for a prayer, I write in a little piece of paper, the papers that we all see out there, and maybe 50% of this group puts their little prayer. So use them. It's very powerful. So I write their, their little prayer request. I take a picture, and then I take a picture when I'm putting it in the wall. And they were like, they're all like, oh, my God. But I do it individually because I get the messages, and private message, and then my text because I do put my email, my 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 cell phone number, and obviously they private message me, message me on Facebook because not everybody's like really open to share their pain. So that was like, at, as after that, like as soon as I did that, they share with the other one, the other one called me because they were referred by T or by O, by whatever, right? So that is awesome. And it the wall, the, the wall is out there. Like it's on Facebook. I put it every time I come in here and I always share the wall. So, and we have a lot of people coming from everywhere, Riverside, San Clemente, San Diego, um, Long Beach, Cerritos, Cyprus, and they're, they're Catholic, and they come to our church. They ask for this prayer to be um, taking care of all of their pain and need. So. And, and just to clarify that last point, if that wasn't, yeah, give her a round of applause. That's great. What, what she was saying was we have people who drive, who don't go to this church, they drive just to put something in our prayer wall. That's the only purpose they're coming over here for. You know, we have people that walk in off the street, and they don't go to church here. They want us to pray for them. And this, uh, this Friday, we will uh, distribute 10,000 door hangers that says on the front of it, do you need a miracle? And on the back, we have five testimonies with little thumbnail pictures of people who've been healed 
within our fellowship. And I'm most excited. You know, we've done this before with events. I'm, I told Tammy today, I'm most excited about this one because we're not inviting them to anything. We're saying we want to pray for you. And, and I just pray that God, if you would just pray, you know, just pray that God would take those door hangers, something as simple as a door hanger that aggravates all of us, right? You get and go, oh, enough of these, right? But not everybody says that. We have people in our fellowship already who've come through the, some of those silly door hangers. But I'm just praying that this is more exciting because I'd rather see them come for prayer or call us in, you know, email in for prayer than just come to an event because we have an opportunity to touch their life and really minister to them in the power of the kingdom. Amen? So Facebook, think about it like this. Facebook is, is really everything from soup to nuts, isn't it? I mean, it's everything from, yeah, I'm glad you went down to the car wash today. Thank you for showing that, right? To here's pictures of my kids. Aren't they cute? But I heard uh, Reinhard Bonnke say one time, he said, Facebook is one of the greatest tools for evangelism I've ever seen. If you will take and say at least once a week, I mean, you can do it however you want, but at least once a week, I'm going to post something about Jesus. Um, I started doing it on the Anaheim Buzz and the Orbelinda Buzz. And I got some guy that responded back, you know, he said, I've heard all this influence church stuff I want, you know, and I'm tired of it. You need to quit posting. You know, I just, man, it just amped me up. You know, I'll show you influence church, you know. And, and so my next ones were just, I got this, you know, just pictures, just Jesus. Just, I'm going to pound him with Jesus, you know. And, uh, you know, because, you know, what's happening is, man, the kingdom of this world is doing what? It's pushing against us. And we can't just let it push us back. You've got to push the kingdom forward, right? And you can expect a little opposition. You know, that's half the fun, amen? All right. So let's go ahead and, and let's talk about Let's go to page, um, if you will, in your book. We're looking at the Bill Johnson book. And by the way, with every book that we, we promote, we have you read, uh, just know that there is no book where we have 100% agreement. Okay, you might read something in in Nee's book, not understand it or not agree with it. You might read something in Johnson's book and not you not agree with it. That's okay. That's okay. We're not endorsing 100 percent of everything that's said there. We're trying to say that we, these books were selected for a very p- uh, particular reason, and and I believe this book does something that's really good. It it talks about what happens when this mind, this mind walks in transformation power. It directs the rest of us. Who's our head? Jesus, right? Okay, would you agree that his mind is sound? Directing in the right way? Okay, now take your Bibles. Let's go to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. And we're going to go to chapter 2, if you will. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And we're going to give you, uh, we're going to take a little look here. At verse 10 and following, okay? Let's just go back to verse 6. Have you ever done that? You know, what's your favorite verse? The one I'm reading, right? Okay, let's go back to verse 6. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature and not wisdom of this age. Two different kinds of wisdom, right? Nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. Everybody that's important and powerful and ungodly is coming to nothing, Scripture says. 
So don't get discouraged. Um, new things are coming. But we speak the wisdom of God in a, there's that word again, what? Mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages. Read it. For, for whose glory? Oh, wait a minute, it can't mean that. He wouldn't give us any glory. Let me read it again, verse 7. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Do you see how important you are to God? Now, it's not the glory that you accumulate. It's not the glory that you want to get. It's for our glory, and he did all of this because God has a divine purpose for every one of us in the kingdom. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Okay, now, verse 8, which none of the rulers of this age, that means political, demonic, both those categories. I'm not saying all politics are demonic, all right? Understand that. Okay, the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. You see, they wouldn't have done what they did had they known the wisdom of God. Now watch the application. Here it comes. Get ready. You would not do the things you do when you fully understand the glory of God. It's when the glory of God diminishes in our understanding that we do the things that aren't pleasing to him, right? You've got to keep the glory up. Man, I, I serve a great God, and he's, he's created things. He's doing things for my glory one day. As it is written, eye is not seen or, ears, um, or ear heard nor entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Wow. But God revealed them to us through church. Is that what it says? No, through his spirit. Oh, yeah, there you go. For the spirit, uh, the spirit searches out all things, even the deep things of God. You know, God has some deep things. Hey, the most valuable things aren't on the surface. God buried oil deep in the ground for a reason. He put diamonds deep in the ground for a reason. He put gold deep in the ground. He put his wisdom in his word deep in his word for a reason. So you can't just pick it up the Gideon's Bible and, and when you're at the local hotel and just get a couple of nuggets, you know, go, that was good. No, he wants you to dig in deep. He says, I got some deep things. I'll show you the manifold wisdom of God, but you've got to search out a thing. It's the glory of a king to search out a matter, Proverbs says. The glory of a king. Guess who's a king? You. That's what, that's what Revelation says. We're kings and priests of our God. All right. But God has revealed them. He searches out all things, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of man which is in him? There it is again. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things which have been freely given to us. See, by his spirit, God shows us stuff. He reveals stuff to us. These things we, we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual with spiritual. Now watch this. This is how it works. Level one of understanding goes like this. God takes the natural things, the physical things, and he helps us understand spiritual truth by them. So he says, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Oh, I know what bread is. But now he's taking me to something that's unseen. He's taking me to something deeper, right? The unseen. He's trying to know that this bread is different kind of bread. 
okay? I am the water of life, right? Okay, so that's pretty natural, right? Now, when we go from the seen to the unseen, the next step is God takes us from the unseen to the unseen. Spiritual truth goes deeper into the unseen. See how that works? Once I understand bread, now I can take bread, the unseen bread, okay, the Word of God, I can take it, and now I can go deeper into that bread. I have to get through layer one first before I can get to layer two. So have you ever had those moments where you're reading something, you go, now I see it? Oh, man, I I never saw that before. Or how about this one? I found this verse in the Bible. And then you'll usually follow up and say, I read it all my life, and I never, what's the word? Saw it before. That's spiritual revelation. Now, how many layers of revelation are there? Well, let's put it like this. Let's say it's a, we've got a skyscraper here. We walk in, and we look around, and we see everything is down here. There's desks and everything else, and yet it's 30 stories high. And every floor gives me a better perspective on life. Because the higher I go up, what do I do? I get to see further. So when you enter into this level, what God's going to do, he's going to take you up higher and higher and higher, and you're going to begin to see things you hadn't seen before. But now watch this, verse 14. But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Okay, the natural man is who? The unbeliever. Remember this, okay? The natural man does what comes naturally. Lost people do lost things. That's what they're good at. Don't get mad at lost people because they act lost. They're doing what they're supposed to do. Well, you know what they said? Yes, that's what they're supposed to say. Well, that guy slept with 20 women. That's what lost people do. The problem is not what lost people do. The problem is what saved people do. Ouch! Right? Okay, so the natural man. Now, but watch what it says here. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. In other words, his spirit, his human spirit is dead in trespasses and in sins. He can't see the things of God. You ever open the Bible up to a lost guy and say, hey, look at this. I, God showed me this. I, don't, I read it. I don't see anything. Because their spirit is dead. It has to be quickened alive, Ephesians tells us. You quicken that spirit alive, and all of a sudden they go, I see things. Right? Okay, but now watch this. This is where I want you to get to. But he who is spiritual, people who walk in the spirit, okay, judges all things, and he himself is rightly judged by no one. But who has known the mind of of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Did you know you have Christ's mind when you walk in the spirit? You get like new spiritual DNA, You get to see things differently than you ever saw things before. How does Jesus see the world? That's how he says you can see the world. How does Jesus know how to relate to people? Because, you know, in a, I mean, he, Jesus relates to people in a marvelous way that don't know God. And he says, when you have the mind of Christ, you'll relate to him too. You'll quit condemning him. You'll start loving him. What did they say of Jesus? Ah, that Jesus, he keeps, he keeps company with, uh, with thieves and sinners, and, and he's a wine-bibber. In other words, he drinks wine. The Baptists would say it was grape juice, but anyway. 
And that was that was their criticism. You know the problem with him? He's hanging out with a bunch of lost people, and he's telling them about life and eternity. Shame on him. He should be in a community group. He should insulate himself from as many lost people as he can, and he should avoid all appearance of ever even getting close to being like them. See what religion does? It goofs up your thinking. Jesus had one of his best friends was a tax collector. Everybody hated the tax collector in that day. Everybody hates him today. If you're a tax collector, we hate you. Just kidding, just kidding. Okay. So what do we want to do? We want to have the mind of Christ. Okay, so let's go. Let's look at page 31. I have come to see the normal Christian life means miracles, spiritual intervention, and revelation. That might be new thinking for you. Think I think the normal Christian life is doing what's right. It means peace, joy, love, a sense of well-being and purpose, all of these traits that elude so many Christians. Written into their spiritual DNA of every believer is an appetite for the impossible that cannot be ignored or wished away. I love that concept. It changes the way we look at life. Instead of the Christian life, me just trying to go to church and make sure I get to heaven and and you know, maybe get to you know serve once in a while. It it changes me because I'm looking at it and go, I have an appetite for the impossible. How many of you have an appetite to see somebody you know who's sick healed? Just raise your hand. Okay, why does it make any difference? If they're a Christian, they're just going to go to heaven anyway, right? No, because there's something in us that says this world is out of whack, and God says we know. The Trinity says, we know it is. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to empower you to go out and make it different, make it better. Pray for the sick. What if they don't get healed? Pray for the sick. What if they want to be prayed for? Pray for the sick. Just pray healing on them. Heal the sick, right? I'm going to heal the sick. Uh, I was talking to Phoebe today, and we were talking about her mom, and I, I just said, hey, Jesus, I just pray that Julia is healed. Be healed in Jesus' name. That's a different kind of prayer than says, I just pray that she's comforted and, dang, if she's only got a couple of weeks left, let's just help, help her to get there. See how different that sounds? But what if she's not healed? Then you look like an idiot. I look like an idiot without me saying that. Why am I worried about me? Why am I worried about my reputation? Jesus became of no reputation for me, Philippians chapter 2. He became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, on the basis of that, God exalted him, giving him a name above every name. Why am I worried about me? I mean, I've, I think I've said this before. I, there are times when I get up and I say, hey, I believe this is what God, where God's leading us to do. And then I get in my car and I think, what an idiot. Why did I say that? I was so much safer without that. But, I, you know, you have this, there's something in you that just wants the bold declaration of faith to be released. And that's when God shows up. God doesn't show up when you go, well, I'm just going to sit back here until you do some good miracle, and then I'm going to get up and say, hey, God's doing something. Every single one of the great men and women of God in the Bible, guess what they did? They were super risk takers. Have you ever noticed that? They just jumped out there and said, this is what God's doing. Well, what if he doesn't? Well, that's his problem. That ain't my problem. That's God's problem. God told me to believe him. So all things are possible. Okay, I'm going to give I'm going for that, God. 
It's not very respectable, but it sure, it sure is the way God works. Okay, go down to the, uh, the last new paragraph on that same page. We must redefine normal Christianity so it lines up with God's idea of normal, not the definition we've accepted or grown accustomed to based on our experiences or lack thereof. The normal Christian life begins with the realization that we were put here to do the will of God on earth as it is in heaven. Good word, huh? Turn the page. Turn the page. Um, this is about halfway down. It starts with, but the will of God is simpler and plainer than we have thought. In what is known as the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said clearly, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. What's it say? On earth as it is in heaven. God, I'm just trying to figure out the will of God. It's just what I'm doing up there. I just want to get it down here. Love exists in heaven. I just want to get it down here. Health exists in heaven. I just want to get it down here. That's just I, that's just, I want to function. I don't know what else to do. Screw down a little bit further. Thy kingdom come, it says in that little paragraph, the next paragraph below that. Thy will be done. We're praying for the king's domain to be realized right here and right now. That's what the kingdom is, the king's domain. The king has a dominion. He says, thy kingdom come. I want it here. Kingdom come. What is not free to operate there, sickness, disease, spiritual bondage, and sin, should not be free to operate here, period. So top of the next page, we already quoted this, 1 John, 1 John 3, 8. We are here to destroy the works of the devil. When we make this our primary understanding of God's will, the other areas that trouble us so much will seem to sort themselves out. What happens when we make this our mission? Lives are set free, bodies are restored, darkness lifts from people's minds, the rule of the enemy is pushed back in every way imaginable. Businesses grow healthier, relationships flower again, people reconnect uh, with their calling and purpose in life. Churches grow, cities feel the effects and have the kingdom flourishing within them. Energy is freed up for the kingdom, works that way, and that's just what we want to see happen. Okay, interesting story. Let me, let, me, let me do a little side story here. So we just got back from France. Uh, we flew into Geneva, which we've done many, many times. And there was a guy named John Calvin. Anybody ever heard of Calvinism? John Calvin didn't even know about Calvinism. That was all his followers that kind of created more of a mess. But John Calvin was an interesting guy. He was a political guy mainly. Everybody knows him as kind of a theologian. You know, he kind of went in there and kind of got things straightened out. So John Calvin at one time was the highest paid individual in Switzerland. He would later become the highest paid man in Europe. Preacher. Imagine that. But what he really was was a reformer. John Calvin went into Switzerland, and yes, he was a reformer of the Christian faith and wrote the basic institutes of, of Christian religion when he was 26 years old. Brilliant guy. But Calvin goes in there. And uh, looks around, and at that point, Geneva was the crossroad of, of trade for Europe, but it was a den of thieves. It really was bad. So Calvin goes in there, and, and, and they bring Calvin in. They say, Calvin, we need you to help us straighten this place up. And so they started enacting laws. They, they got, he was really responsible for the schooling, the education we have today was John Calvin. The banking system, system John Calvin. Okay? And theology just happened to go in there, too. So we kind of got things straightened up. Things were working better because they were reforming laws. They put laws in the books that kind of help people. So John's happy about it. He's tired of this whole thing running Geneva. So he leaves. He goes to another part of Europe. Goes to another part of Europe, and all of a sudden, things aren't going so well in Geneva. 
they're kind of back to the thieves and, you know, things are running wild and, you know, prostitutes and you name it, everything's going on. So they go, John, they pick up the phone, right? That's when things were hardwired. Picked up the phone. They didn't have mobiles. Picked up the phone. He said, hey, John, things are not going well here. Can you come back? Yeah, I don't really want to come back. Hey, we'll pay you more. Yeah, I think I'll come. So John Calvin comes back, but he has one condition. The condition is that you have to do everything I say. I'm basically going to run this city. Well, okay, well, we're not doing a good job, so come on back, John. So he comes back. They pay him a ton of money, and the first thing he does, he institutes what we know in America as blue laws. That means businesses aren't going to operate on Sunday. He also implemented the church bell. Ever heard of church bell? John Calvin. So John Calvin comes up with the idea, here's what we're going to do. We're going to ring the church bell on Sunday morning, and we're going to attach to it a law. And the law goes like this. One member of your family has to be in church on Sunday morning when the bell rings or you're going to jail. Pretty good motivator. Pastors love it. Great for attendance. You're going to jail. So Calvin rings the bell, and all of a sudden, you know, one person or maybe more would show up. And the idea was if you get one guy there, one family member there, they'll go back and tell the rest of them what happened. And people say you can't legislate morality. We can. We do it every day, and it works. So John Calvin starts doing that. He started implementing all this stuff. And guess what? Geneva, Switzerland becomes the gym of Europe. First, he had to get certain things in, in place. Then guess what? Christianity was free, to, it was free then to flourish within that environment. That's why Paul tells us in Romans chapter 13 that good government is good for society. It allows Christianity to flourish. Okay. So what we're going to try to do in this process when we think about this is, notice he talked here about businesses grow healthy, relationships flower again, people reconnect with their calling. When your mind is transformed, everything looks different. The way that you get ahead in business looks different. You don't try to think about cutting someone's legs out from beneath him. You try to say, I'm going to do the best job I can, and I'll trust God for the results. So take your Bible, go to the book of Romans, chapter 12. Romans, chapter 12, which is a very curious way he begins chapter 12. Anybody know why? Why would he begin chapter 12 with these words? Let's, I'll wait till you get there, and then we'll look at it. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. What an odd way to begin a chapter, don't you think? If you understand what's going on in chapters 9 through 11, it's super odd. Because you know what he's saying in chapters 9 through 11? He's how, he's how he's dealt with Israel and how they've rejected and how he's bringing them through tough times so that they might understand God. He says, therefore, on the basis of how I've had to deal with Israel, I beseech you, therefore, in the mercies of God. You know what he's saying? He's saying tough times and difficulty and struggles in your life are a demonstration of my mercy. It doesn't feel merciful. We don't like it. So he says, so therefore, I beseech you, brothers, on, uh, brethren, on the on the by the mercies of God, that you do something here. You present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Your physical body. 
your physical body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now watch, here it comes. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by stop cussing. Is that what it says? No, I don't have, I, I cuss all I want. Sometimes I want to. Right? Look what it says. By the renewing of your mind, when my mind is renewed, it affects every part of my body. So my mind's going to renew and it's going to look like whose mind? The mind of Christ. First Corinthians chapter two. By the renewing of your mind, that you might what do what? You might prove something. God says, I want you to prove something. I want you to prove what is the good and acceptable will of God. You prove it with a renewed mind. When you have a renewed mind, you prove to people that God is real. Because you start doing the things that God does. You start living out your life the way God lives out his life. You prove the will of God. You have to take this body and you have to give it to God as a living sacrifice. God says, I don't need you to die physically. I already did that for you. What I need you to do is renew this mind so you start to see life, every part of it, whether it's your family, whether it's your business, whether it's your social life, everything is going to be generated through the mind of Christ by the renewing of your mind that you might prove something. I want you to prove something. I want you to prove something. I, I'm not sure. I don't want, really want to go out on this, on this limb too far, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try it. I think this is the only time in Scripture that God tells us to prove something. And there's only one time that God says, prove me. As far as I know. It's pretty important. If God only does it once for you, once for him, that's pre- both of those are pretty important. Right? Okay. Now look at this. Let's let's go on here. If you look at it, it says, there is a life, we're on page 32 in the book now, there is a life-transforming paradigm-shattering way to do normal Christianity. God has not kept his desires secret. He wants the reality of heaven to invade the rebel-torn world to transform it, to bring it under his headship. God's purpose there. That was page 32. Now go to page 35. 35. It starts with our job. You see it there? It's about a third of the way down. Our job is to demonstrate the reality that exists in heaven can be manifested right here, right now. We are not just to be people who believe the right things about God, but people who put the will of God on display. Okay, go to page 42. The only way to consistently do kingdom works is to view the reality from God's perspective. Okay, now go to the book of Ephesians. Okay. Got to limber up your Bible a little bit. Some of these books have been neglected too long. Right? So I didn't know that book was in there. Okay, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Okay, and here's what I want you to do. Here's a little assignment. You ready? Everybody got it? Say, I got it. Okay, what I want you to do is I want you to turn to your neighbor. 
and I want you to read to them verses 1 and 2. Okay? Each of you take a turn. So it's not one person, it's both of you. Okay? Turn to your neighbor, just read it to them. I'm going to give you a minute. Okay, what did it say? You were dead? If you were dead, what are you now? You're alive. Okay, now drop down to verse 5. Even when we were dead in trespasses, he did what? Made us alive together with Christ, for by grace have you been saved. Okay, now, now let's go. We're going to do it again. You're going to read to your partner again. You ready? Okay. You're going to read verse, I don't mean partner, don't give me that. You know what I mean. Okay, read, now I want you to read verses 5 and 6. Okay, go ahead, just do it again. Same exercise, verses 5 and 6. Okay, here's my advice based on that verses, those last two verses you read. Keep looking down. You're seated in heavenly places. Keep looking down. You have to see things from God's perspective. Keep looking down. It sounds like a depressing kind of thing. I'm looking down. I'm feeling down. No, no, no. If you understand, I get to see everything from his perspective when I have the mind of Christ. Now when I see somebody who's sick, I don't need to hear how bad they are sick. I don't need to know all the doctor's gory details because the doctors are just interning under the great physician anyway. Hey, that's great. You know, I'm, I'm, you know I'm, I, all those details that you got there, but let's go to the real king. Let's go to the real king. Let's get God's perspective on everything we do. I'm going to have Tammy come now, and she's going to um, uh, finish out the class for us tonight. So, Tam, let's give my wife a little round of applause. Good stuff. I love the word, and uh, good stuff. All right, we're going to do a little exercise tonight. So you can put a pen in your hand if you have it. But what I want you to do right now is I want you to close your eyes. We're going to do a little exercise. And, you know, on Sunday I shared with you um, a real vision that God had give, has given me, and I've been doing it a couple times a day. And I want you to I'm gonna let you walk through that that vision and that exercise as well. So close your eyes with me right now. And let me just pray with you. Father, I just want to pray right now in the name of Jesus that the Holy Spirit would illumine our eyes, Father, open our eyes, let us see what you see. And Father, that illustration was so good from Ephesians, Father, that we are seated in heavenly places. And God, you have seated us in that realm. And we can't call down heaven until we know what's in heaven. So, Father, as uh, we go through this exercise, I know it will be an individual and independent experience, and that's what you want for us. So I just pray that everyone in this room right now would just receive the visions that you have for them. I want you to, in your mind right now with your eyes closed, I want you just to see two doors. I don't know how big those doors are going to be for you. 
But with each door is a handle. There's a knob on that door. And when you open that first door, that's the natural door. And it's going to be your natural tendency every morning to go through that door because we are creatures of habit and we are routine. And so we turn off our alarm and we get up and we brush our teeth and we think about our day and we think about the responsibilities and we think about the burdens and we think about life. And when you open that natural door, and I want you in your mind right now just to open that natural door. I get up at 4 o'clock. I've got to go to the office. I've got to get this in. What do you see out of that natural door? And in your mind, you can see the responsibilities that you have, the burdens that you have, maybe the temptations that no one in this room knows right now that you're going with. You struggle the thoughts in your mind. And it's there. It's your agenda and it's your desires. It could be pride. It could be your skill. It could be opportunities. But it is your door. See, it has your name on it because it's your door. And that is your natural man. And I want you in your mind right now to just think of two things right now that come to your mind that are part of your natural door. Maybe you're a control freak. Maybe you are um, struggling with some pride. Maybe it's just that you're so busy. Maybe it's you really are capable, and what you struggle with is the fact that you are so capable that you don't need God too much during the day. So what's in that natural door that you've just walked through? I want you to visualize what that is. That's you. Remember, your name's on that door. And you walk through that door every day. I want you to see yourself walking through that door right now. It's your door. It's your day. It's your routine. It's your life. No two of us in this room are alike in that door. Now back your way out of that doorway and close that door. And now move over to the right side. And there is a door that God wants you to open. And that's that supernatural door. And in that door is what God wants you to see from those heavenly places. And in that door could be a neighbor that you wave to every day, but you don't even know their name. And God says to you, I want you to go over and say hi and introduce yourself. And in that door might be um, a clerk that waits on you at the supermarket. And you make small talk, but you've never taken the time to ask them how they are. You see, God knows that clerk, and God knows that neighbor. And maybe for you, it could be, uh, just a happy smile. And when I was going through that door today, I just saw people smiling. Um, we were in staff meeting today, and I said to our staff, it felt so good because we were in the presence of the Lord in staff meeting. We had shared kingdom stories, and we had entered into the presence of the Holy Spirit in our staff meeting. And I got to just sit in the moment with like-minded, spiritually-minded brothers and sisters in Christ and I just saw smiles. You see, I had entered into the spirit realm. See, when we begin to walk through the door of the spirit realm, we see what God sees. 
Therefore, we act as God acts. Therefore, we're obedient as God leads and directs. We want you to begin thinking about moving in the spirit realm. In that spirit realm is rest, not routine. See, in that spirit realm is peace and joy, not discouragement and burden. So even as you begin to walk in that door, it's, it, it's well lit. And you can breathe. I mean, I, when I walk through that door, there's just a sense of a sigh because I just feel that I'm walking through the kingdom door. And I want you to walk through that door right now. And I don't know what you're seeing in that door. Um, I'm going to tell you a quick little story. Um, on Saturday, I was doing my prayer walk. And when I came back last week while we were out of town, our neighbor was robbed two doors down from us. And I didn't know this neighbor, never met her. But um, the woman who was keeping the house for us mentioned that this young girl came running down looking for someone, frantic, because someone had robbed them. And I just really felt that when I got back and heard the story, I need to go over there. So I was doing my prayer walk, and, and the Spirit of God said, I want you to go over there right now and meet her. And so I went over, and, and I knocked on the door, and I introduced myself. And, and, of course, as God would have it, I just think there's this divine thing God has. She was Middle Eastern. And um, I began to share my heart with her and my testimony. And she asked me to come in, and I was able to pray with her. And it was a really a, a neat opportunity. I've even invited her to church. But I realized right then I had walked through a kingdom door. You see, I was beginning to see things the way God sees things. We not only have the mind of Christ, but we have the eyes of Christ. I want you to start thinking God, as I walk through that supernatural door each day, when you look for God, you will see God. When you ask God to direct your steps, he will. When you take the time to look around wherever you are and say, am I done here, God? He may say no. There may be someone to speak to, someone to, to give money to, someone to minister to, someone to pray for. I want us to be a church, and this is kind of my heart as I've been praying for us as a church, that we would have not only the mind of Christ, but the eyes of Christ, and the heart of Christ, and the attitude of Christ, and the behavior of Christ. You see, the world will know us, what? By our fruit, by our actions, by our behavior, by our unity, okay? So right now, as you're in that door, right now, what is it that you've just released? What's the difference between walking through the door right now of your flesh and that natural man and walking through the door of the spirit? If you get up every morning and you visualize those two doors and you open up that supernatural door and you take that step into it, I believe you'll start to have the eyes of Christ and the mind of Christ. You see, I believe we're at a place right now where we have to release the spirit. And that's what this book is about, releasing that the spirit of God is in you. He came in you at salvation. We are to release him. And you release him as you go through this supernatural door. Okay, with that activity, let me just ask a couple of you. How, how did that feel? Could you feel the difference when you walk through the door of the flesh, the door of the super, or, or your natural man, and then the door of the spirit man? What was the difference? What was for you a, a difference that you felt or you saw? I know we're taping, but just a couple real quick, maybe something that just hit you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Lexi. Yeah. Oh, good. Good. Both. Weightless and adventure. Yeah. I love the adventure. 
How cool is every day is an event? You have no idea who you're going to impact today. See, if you wake up and you say, like my son says every morning, good morning, God, how can you use me today? What are you doing today and how can I help? What, was, what, what, what if you said that every morning? I guarantee you we would come every Sunday with new stories, wouldn't we? How can you use me today? Okay, so what we want to do is we want to release the spirit in you. And um, we're excited. I'm just, I know we're done here in a minute, but I, I want to just kind of share this because Phil and I have really been in, in prayer a lot. Um, we are so excited about, as you guys know, let's look at this room. It's amazing. But with this movement, so many have come. So many are coming from all different backgrounds and beliefs. And God is new and God is fresh. And he wants to do something fresh and new in our life, right? So I want us all just to kind of release all the you know, preconceived ideas that you have and let God come and do a fresh work in your life. Okay, don't put him, I mean, I've got my little Baptist box. Many of you know, I kind of grew up in my little Baptist church and we limit God. Don't limit what God wants to do. It's a fresh new work he wants to do in your life. And so we want to encourage you in, in that way, okay? Um, and then the last thing I did want to share is that we're so pumped. Nathan's going to be doing, uh, many of you know with the School of Ministry, we're going to be doing reading through the Bible and we're doing five days, a Monday through Friday, Dates are October 13th through 17th. It is limited. There's only space for a couple more, I think. But see Nathan at the end. Um, you will actually read through the Word of God in one week um, with about six or eight other people. So it's going to be a great time up at the um, Adams Cabin in Wrightwood, and it's just going to be a great place for you to really have a time away with God. Okay? So, babe, I think that's it for me. All right, there's, uh, there's a section of the book, and I just wanted to hit this real quick before we go, where it talks about when we, when we do certain, make certain decisions, we actually empower the enemy, okay? Now, we know technically and theologically we don't empower him. What we do is we allow ourselves to be put under the wrong um, power, Right? And so what we want to do is I don't want to ever give him any credit. And so always talk about light more than you talk about darkness. It's easy to get intrigued with the enemy. You know, I got to know about him. I got to read every book on spiritual warfare. And then all you'd end up doing is see demons under every bush. <laughs> what you want to see is God high and lifted up. The train of his robe filling the temple. Right? That's what I want to see. We got one king, and his name is the Almighty. Amen. Let's give him glory. Hey, we're going to uh, close in prayer, and uh, we want to encourage you just a couple of things. Uh, attendance, you know, um, f you can miss two classes. We hope you don't, but if you need to miss them because you're traveling or whatever, um, then you can do those makeup on the CD and audio. Um, the other thing is it's required. This is a for credit class. Now, we're not accredited um, by the world. We're accredited in the kingdom. How's that? And so what we have is we have a two-year and a three-year program basically set up. So this class is worth three credits. It basically works this way. Five hours of class time is worth one credit. So Tammy's doing an intensive that's coming up. It's a it's a it's basically a, a one day. It's it's kind of a it's actually a nine to twelve I think it is or eight to twelve something like that. But you get one credit for that one. So the idea is you want to accumulate enough credits. We're going to have a graduation. You're going to learn all this great stuff. 
and then God's going to call you to the darkest part of Africa. Just kidding. Just kidding about that, okay? So, but in order to get credit for that, you have to make four of the six classes. You have to do all the reading, and we're going to ask you, to be honest, we can't obviously know for sure, but we're going to ask you to be honest and check a little box as time goes on. Say, yes, I read those chapters. So if you haven't read, just go ahead and go back and plow through those, and I think you'll find it to be a great experience, okay? All right, let's close. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for uh, every person here. Thank you for the joy we find in Jesus. We pray, God, that there will be wonderful new relationships built through this. We pray that God will be challenged. And, Father, we know that two and a half hours in one chair is a long time. Um, And you've encouraged us in, in the Word just to persevere, to learn, to listen, to grow. And we pray, God, that something tonight would stick in every heart and would grow uh, each of us up to be better uh, equipped for the kingdom and that you might use us. We might, as Tammy said, look for that supernatural door, pass through it, and see what God has for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, God bless you guys. Have a great week in the Lord.